0: morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hasegan. To my left, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing this morning? How was travel? Check you out being on the road traveling. I am jet-lagged like crazy, you would not believe, uh, but an ex- incredible experience out in Western Illinois. We'll get to that in a second. You had a, an incre- a upset game. That you're on the broadcast for with the Howard game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the upsets, the craziness that continues to happen in the CAA. We've got a lot to talk about here. It's hard to talk about playoff bubble teams. Bubbles bursting, perhaps, in the next couple of weeks. Then and now, we're going to take a look back on maybe some of our ill-advised thoughts and decisions from earlier in the season. That right now, well, it doesn't look great. That's all I'm going to say. And we're going to talk about... Maybe a controversial topic, especially where I was this week. Who's going to get any more teams in the playoffs? The Southland or the Missouri Valley? Ooh. Ten, are, are, that's, are, that's, ten, that's tender. That's spicy. Are, are you? Are you? Are you doubting the Missouri Valley Conference? How dare you realize they're going to be in our mentions now? Well, I mean, you can make a case either way. Uh, it's just so interesting when you look at it, lined up win-loss, top to bottom. It's it's absolutely crazy. And of course, we'll get into our telling trap, unsung and best games of Week Ten coming up, as well as some of the games to definitely keep an eye on as this crazy playoff picture it, it's not getting solved. The puzzle, we're not we're losing more pieces than we are putting them together. It's absolutely crazy and let's get into the action from this past week because there were some very interesting score lines. and we're going to start with the game you were at Emory you were down at Howard University it was homecoming. Howard's got their eyes potentially on a playoff, you know, maybe a playoff spot if they win this game and they win out and they get all sorts of these other random permutations that could go to the Celebration Bowl and then they lose to South Carolina State 27-21. to What in the hell happened here?
1: First of all, you have to understand why this happened. And this happened because head coach Buddy Pugh, who may or may not be in his final season, is an excellent coach, one of the best in the MEAC. And you talk about a team that has a ton of freshmen and sophomores on it, 3-3 three and three in conference play. Um, they've won two straight. They've they had a lead against A and T. They had they were in a lot of ball games. And when you look at their win loss record, you, you can say to yourself, like, man, this team probably should be undefeated in the Miac right now. Yeah. Uh, so they're not as bad as the three and five overall record may indicate. They're young. They're playing better. They compete hard. Um, they got some real good talent on both sides of the ball, and they just took it to Howard that game. I thought Howard came out flat, uh, especially offensively at halftime. Kellen Newton's halftime numbers passing was four out of eight, two interceptions. That's (laughs) not getting it done. No. And this was, you know, keep in mind, I've done three Howard broadcasts this year, and this is an offense that averages 500 yards a game, Or over 40 points a game. Against Delaware State, they put 41 points up at halftime. And so (laughs) to see them go out there and just get dominated in, in a big game like this, of this magnitude that sets up a big game next week against FAMU, on television at homecoming that was shocking to me so shout out to South Carolina State you can easily say that the Bulldogs will be probably
0: one of the favorites in this conference next year exactly and, and you talk again this just speaks to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago the depth of all of these conferences and it's really starting to show this year and it's building into something that uh, it's just going to be healthy for this division overall um, but as you mentioned I also was on the road this week Um, As we said on the end of the last podcast I got an invitation uh, We had a a couple weeks ago From uh, Bob Williams on Twitter Western Illinois fans said Hey, if you're ever at a WIU game Come on out I was free and I went It was an incredible experience First of all, uh, thank you to Bob And his entire crew that were there They were all actually uh, parents of some of the freshmen At Western Illinois that were red-shirting So they've all kind of bonded together Into this huge tailgate experience the food was delicious. The company was fantastic. And if I ever get a chance to get back there again, it's absolutely – the plane ticket's going to be easy to find. It now, was a fantastic place.
1: You 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 were out there, and there was a lot about the program that I didn't know. And you talked about Leathernecks, and it's it's a unique uh, mascot because you look at you, – you see Leathernecks, but you see a bulldog. So right. you don't know what's the connotation or what it means. So explain to the folks out there how
0: they went about getting that – that name. So basically it starts uh, Colonel Ray Rock Hansen, who has a statue on campus, which is where I found out this information, was served in the Marine Corps, uh, I believe first and second World War, and in between times, as well as a stop at my alma mater Springfield College, he was in charge of athletics and several other capacities at Western Illinois, and actually he asked permission to use the Leatherneck name, and because he had served with distinction, the Marine Corps gave him permission to use the Leatherneck nickname at Western Illinois. So that's how the nickname came to be. I thought that was a pretty cool story. A little bit of a personal connection there. But on the field, this game was crazy because, again, like everything else in this season, nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing. Northern Iowa comes into this game. They just knocked off the number two team in the country. They're rolling. They're on their way to a playoff berth. And then Western Illinois just absolutely dominated them. I mean, there were uh, first half of this game, I'm going to say it, it was pretty sloppy. There were mistakes on both sides. There were turnovers all over the place. Missed field goals, some penalties that were a little bit questionable in terms of judgment, but some really, really good play all over the place. And Western Illinois came out with a 37-17 win, thoroughly impressed um, with their entire offense. They have a very young offensive line, but they've got a lot of talent around it. Isaiah LaShore had an incredible game. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Clint Rakovich. Guy's a running back wide receiver. He had eight catches for 70 yards. He's listed as a running back initially on the roster. And he also plays special teams. And he laid out one of the returners for Northern Iowa. uh, Northern uh, UNI. And absolutely great performance. Max Norris had a great day on the ground. He scored a couple touchdowns. I mean, you could go endless in here. Northern Iowa just, though, making a ton of mistakes. And it's not like they had a bad offensive day. They just had the mistakes at the wrong time. And... Again, we've talked about it the way all these conferences are in terms of the you know, the at-large bids. A loss like that for north for you and I, that could be it for them. You don't know. And in the same token, if if Western Illinois goes on a run, they finish the season undefeated, the last 3 games, they're 5 and 2 in the valley in a 7 and 4 record. We've seen it we saw it last year with UNH. That might be enough from a power conference. So, again, incredible atmosphere, incredible game to experience. Thank you to the entire crew for inviting us out there and being so welcoming. But incredible performance by the Leathernecks. And it wasn't the only great game in the Missouri Valley. Let's talk about another upset. Indiana State knocks off Youngstown State 43-17. We were in the press box, and everybody was talking about this game, and some were were laughing at this game and how it was going. Where in in the hell did this come from from the Sycamores? Well, first, let's give a
1: shout-out to Coach Mallory, uh, Kurt Mallory. Last year, they went winless. Right. This year, they're 4-4 four and four in a season, 2-3 and three in the Missouri Valley Conference. Give him a ton of credit, especially considering they lost Jaquan Keys, uh, who is out for the season and his career with a hip injury. Yeah. This guy was a pro player, in my opinion. He was on my radar as a sleeper running back to watch because he's a big guy, got quick feet. And
0: to have a hip injury, a la Bo Jackson, is very tough to see. Terrible situation there for sure. But what's happened to Youngstown? We were talking about this before we started the broadcast. Youngstown State, they were in the national title game a few years ago. What has happened to this program under a a coach like Bo Peliti, who has a reputation of being a, a very good football coach, is it just that they couldn't recruit, and it's gone downhill? What what is what's happened to the Penguins?
1: Well, they do have great coaches. They do have great recruiters. They have a ton of talent. The problem is they had a lot of injuries preseason. I know you don't want to make excuses for a team, but right. when you lose three to four star players to injury during fall camp, that's going to hurt your football team. So I'm more impressed that they are three and five, considering the losses yeah. and what they've been what they've been able to do. Um, I know Coach Pelini is, is is highly upset at the lack of competitiveness from his players, certain players on the field. But this is still a very good stab, very good program. And next year, when everyone is healthy, they're going to be back in the mix. But, yeah, it's been a tough year for them. Indiana State, you have to give a ton of credit, to because of how they finished last year, winless. They looked bleak coming into the season. But this was a team that found a way to win. They got to five hundred on the season, two and three in conference. And they're right there on the, the cusp of, of breaking out in 2020. I'm sorry,
0: 2019 because of how they're finishing 2018. Absolutely. Let's move into uh, the craziness that is the CAA. And we've been trying to make sense of this every week. And every week it just gets even murkier. And it didn't happen. This didn't help us at all this week. University of Delaware comes up again. Why people are, are forgetting about Delaware, I don't know. This is a good football team. They were ranked 21 coming into this game. But they knock off number 10 Towson 40 to 36. This was a wild ball game, and it throws the CIA even even into more of a whack than it was before.
1: Pat Kehoe, the, the quarterback, was impressive. When you think of Delaware, you think of defense, especially their linebacking core. They got four excellent linebackers led by Kobe Reader. Uh, his brother Troy Reader uh, Troy Reader's the, the linebacker. Kobe Reader is the younger brother. I did the Kobe Reader high school game, championship game, uh, in Delaware uh, Stadium. So he was a tremendous high school running back. Right. Now he's a running back, uh, linebacker for Delaware. But his brother, Troy Reader, uh, is phenomenal. Him, Charles Bell, and company. So you think of their defense, you think of their running game, and we've always questioned whether or not they can throw the football enough to win. This is the Delaware team I expected to see against North Dakota State when I predicted that they would upset the Bison. But it's good that they're getting it going now within conference. They're a very good football team. Kehoe's passing is providing a great complement to what they do running the football and what they do defensively. If they can keep this up, they're hitting the stride at the right time.
0: And I think what we saw to also from the Towson perspective, Tom Flacco did not have a bad game no. through the air. But he only threw for 225 yards. And what we really saw from the Delaware defense and what made, has made Towson so successful is... Flacco's ability to find a wide right receiver where he can get some space and then extend the play and then maybe go in for a score. Delaware kind of shut that down. As soon as the catch was made, they're on him. They didn't allow him to expand, didn't allow him to you know really have that, that space. And you might have just gotten a playbook, if you're a team that might face Towson in the playoffs, of how to slow down this offense.
1: Well, it helps that you have a pro prospect, one of the best in the country at safety in Nasir Adderley in Delaware. So you have pro prospects at linebacker, and a pro prospect in the secondary uh, with Adderley. So, yeah, you have to have a good team, number one, and you have to make the plays that are there to be made, and Delaware did that.
0: Let's move out to the West Coast, and this was a game that was highly anticipated. You wouldn't have thought so when we first looked at the schedule with an independent team like North Dakota. We thought they might have a good year, but not this good. And I remember sitting in the box saying, because North Dakota's moving to the Missouri Valley. Right.
1: That's and a great all, move.
0: And all of the commentators saying, oh, here you go. We might actually get a team that's coming into this conference that is beatable. And now all of a sudden, North Dakota's a powerhouse. But Weber State survives. They take care of business 35-30. A lot of talk has been about Eastern Washington and UC Davis in the big sky. Is Weber State not getting enough attention for what they've done this year? They're
1: not. And, and uh, I have been sleeping on Weber State for the entire season, uh, trying to maintain a pre- preseason take about this team that I, I didn't think they were going to be that good Yep. well here's my humble pie they are excellent they're good defensively they can find offense they turn the ball over I love their linebackers uh, they have a great set of linebackers as as well led by Landon Tice uh, a really good player that can also turn the ball over he can cover he's great um, and Toya the, the other linebacker so they have two good linebackers um, they're athletic in the secondary so I, I have to give credit where credit is due Weber State is a legit football team, and I can understand why they're ranked in the top five. And when you look at North Dakota, this is just one of those tough losses. They had tough wins. You you see that against South uh, Sam Houston State. Here's a tough loss. I'm not upset with their resume. They've done a good job in playing who's on the schedule and done a good job as far as playing that schedule well. So they have a case to get to the playoffs, Um, in my opinion, if they can continue to win. This is not a bad loss, per se. I think it just highlights how good of a team uh, squad like UC Davis is. Then it highlights how, you know, maybe not good Weber State is or, or how bad North Dakota is. The top part of the
0: big sky, in my opinion, is, is very strong. Yeah, and you're talking about those wide receivers as well. Last week, I gave a couple of game balls to the North Dakota running backs, Johansson and Oliveira, who went for 213 and 171 last week. This week, Johansson goes for 42, Oliveira for 36. And Johannesson is the Fargo freight train, they called them. And, and and there's your ball game. They lose by five points.
1: And I tweeted out that the Fargo freight, freight train had to be on time if they were going to win. I thought North Dakota was going to win this game. But yeah. when you stop the run, especially stop the run of North Dakota, you're going to win the game.
0: Yep. Another crazy game, in a, a very highly anticipated game in the Missouri Valley. South Dakota State coming off that loss as the number two team last week, taking on number 11, Illinois State. And it's a comeback game for South Dakota State, 38-28, another very good game. But, again, it just makes things even murkier in the Missouri Valley and how many teams this conference is going to get in. (laughs) You can
1: never figure out this conference, man. You can't figure out anything this year. You can't, man. And and Taryn Christian is still one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Like I've always said, the the FCS group of quarterbacks this year, the seniors, uh, you you can make a case that they're better than the FBS crop of seniors. Oh, easily. Pound for pound. So when you get great play from Christian – Inspired defensive play, you're going to win a lot of ball games. Illinois State quietly is on the bubble. Yeah, very quietly. Quietly, they they were a strong football team very early in the season. Let's say about week six. I want to say they were five and one or yeah. undefeated or something like that.
0: Now I don't
1: know, man. Are they actually you on some, the bubble? You got, though You
0: got some questions, man. Got some questions. They're in the Missouri Valley in the right of the top fifteen. Come on, let's be honest here. What about Howard? You're going to bring up Howard again. One more game we want to talk about before we get into the rest of the content in our game balls. Number 14 McNeese taking on number 13 Central Arkansas. The Southland again has been wide open with Sam Houston State not having a good start to the year. They're coming back now, but McNeese gets a critical win, 23-21. Central Arkansas they've been going about their business, having a good season, avoiding the upset, and they lose in a tight ball game to another ranked team here. They lose to McNeese. And a lost to Sam Houston State. That hurts. That hurts. That's
1: two potentially quality wins that they did not get. Yep. And I'm pretty sure the playoff committee will look at that and, and try to use that as an example to keep Central Arkansas out. Not to get in too much playoff talk right now. We'll save that for a later segment. But this was a big win for McNeese State because they were sitting there on the fence. They were on the rocks. Yeah. They, they lost last week to Incarnate where it got blown out. As soon as the game started, the opening kickoff went back for a touchdown, and he couldn't recover. Now they bounce back, play great defensive play. They're getting solid play from Orgeron, the quarterback, who took over for for Tabari, uh, James Tabari, the quarterback. They still are having issues running the football, but they are still great defensively. B.J. Blunt is one of the best linebackers in the FCS. This was a very good football game, and I hope they don't weigh this heavily on Central Arkansas because I think they are one of the top 24 teams, so to speak,
0: in this uh, subdivision, and well, uh, you, you look at if you look at the schedule remaining for Central Arkansas, especially on paper, their last three games. If you're looking at them on paper and you don't look at any of the game film, which we do, they're winnable. Versus Lamar, versus Incarnate Word at Abilene Christian, but Lamar's pulled off upsets this year, Incarnate Word is not bad at all. They're Incarnate good. Incarnate Word is fighting for a playoff spot, if you know possibly, and Abilene Christian's played some good ball. They've come up with an upset or two. So. Judging by the film, that's not three easy games. They, and if they win those games, that should be they should count more than what the records say.
1: Exactly. Strip away the names and the logos and just go by how the team is playing. That's what I'm saying. That's a strong stretch of games for all teams involved. Like you said, Incarnate Word is still fighting for a playoff spot. That's a big game for them. Lamar is not bad at all. They beat Sam Houston, I believe, or beat uh, Nichols. One of those teams they beat, McNe- they beat Nichols or somebody.
0: Yeah, uh, they beat, yeah, they lost to Nichols, they beat Sam Houston. Sam Houston, so they
1: beat Sam They've Houston. They've won three in a row. Now, picture that. <laughs> so, there you go. This is a strong stretch of games for Central Arkansas and one that should help catapult them into the playoffs if they're able to win out.
0: Let's give away some game balls now, Emory. Who's your first game ball going to for Week 9? Obviously, I'm going in the backfield.
1: Aaron Dawson, just phenomenal for Central Connecticut State. Unreal game. 24 carries. 361 yards and five touchdowns. I had to make sure this wasn't a quarterback that was just like scrambling and running. (laughs) Or misprint. Or misprint, right? Knowing ESPN's .com FCS page, right? (laughs) But shout out to Aaron Dawson. 360 and five touchdowns.
0: What a a game. Incredible game. I I will match you with another running back, Jordan Meacham from Sacred Heart. 23 carries, 318 yards, and three touchdowns. We had two 300-yard runners in the same week. But a huge win for Sacred Heart over Bryant as well this week. All of a sudden, they were they were out of the conversation two weeks ago. Now they're right back at the top again. It's just weird. Sticking with the backfield, seeing that is the theme right here.
1: Shout-out to Delaware State getting a big victory, 28-13 over North Carolina Central. Yes. The reason why is because, one, Rod Mill said, very good coach trying to create a new culture there at his alma mater when they were winning. And he leaned on the freshman tailback, true freshman tailback, Michael Chris Ike from Canada. Oh, Canada. 21 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Now, here's the thing. He's played in three games. Uh uh-huh. It's going to be interesting to see how they work these last few Do games they of the season. Him? I know that they probably want to redshirt him and give him four years as the guy. Right, But he didn't play last week. He played in a game against Howard and quickly ran for over 80 yards and a touchdown. Got his first touchdown. Yep. Didn't play last week. Played this week and went over 100 yards as the lead guy. This dude is legit. Six two two twenty five 225 with speed. He averaged something ridiculous like 12 yards a carry in high school. Right, And his film looked like he averaged 12 yards. He was phenomenal. He's going to be a premier player for them. Shout-out to him for, for getting the start, getting a, getting 100 yards, getting a touchdown, and help leading his team to victory. So I will be closely watching how they play these last couple of games for Delaware State to see if they're going
0: to save that red shirt. Interesting for sure. i got to give a game ball, too, to who I thought the best game player was at the game I was at for Western Illinois, Isaiah LaShure, also known as Zeke LaShure, uh, seven catches for 164 and two touchdowns. His two scores couldn't be more different. Tiptoe on the side of the end zone in his first one, he literally just sprinted by – the UNI secondary like they weren't even there just flew by him for a touchdown but 6'3, 180 looks like a track star he might be a track star I don't know but this young man has a future potent, I think at the next level he had an outstanding game for the Leathernecks I got two
1: more um so I'm gonna go with the, the offense offensive one first but shout out to quarterback Colin McGovern of Stetson yes 21 of 34 Three thirty-six and three touchdowns in a big win, a 56-53 shootout versus Davidson. That was a wild game. If Davidson can ever find defense, they will be a problem in the Pioneer. But Stetson has better defense than the Wildcats, which is why they were able to get the win. And that tight end is uncoverable in Donald Parham, the 6'9", 235-pound <laughs> tight end, the senior. So McGovern went out there and balled out, again, 21-34 Three three touchdowns, and check out Stetson, man.
0: Stetson's for real. If they get a little bit of help, they may even win the conference. Stetson is for real. Their only loss was to San Diego. So they if, need San Diego if, to lose. If San Diego loses, I mean, their defense, we know Jacksonville put up 35 on them this week. Right. So there, there's every chance if you get a one team that actually can put up points, there's a possibility. I'm going to go with another wide receiver here. Christian Wilkerson from Southeast Missouri State had himself a hell of a day. Eight receptions, 263 yards receiving. Three touchdowns, another huge win for SEMO. Who knew this was going to be a team that we are gonna we were going to be talking about in the playoff picture? Shout out to the Red Hawks, man. They play some
1: good football out there in Cape Goudreau, Missouri. I, I know all these places. Of course you do. And my <laughs> last game ball, obviously going defense to two teams, Princeton, Colgate, shutout city. Colgate, this is their fourth official shutout. It should
0: be six. <laughs> it's... N- They've had four of their last five games have been shutouts. They've allowed three points in their last five games. I do not care
1: who you play. It is hard to shut out teams. This was outstanding performance again in Princeton. To get the shutout once again against a team like Cornell, who has been improved this year, it just sets up a monumental game, the FCS kickoff stats game of the week,
0: Princeton versus Dartmouth. Undefeated teams. And by the way, for Colgate, they got Fordham. They have three whole road games left. Fordham, Lehigh, their last game is at West Point against Army. If I'm Army, I am very, very worried about Ooh, this defense. If
1: they, how can you keep Colgate out the top five? I don't understand. How are they not one of the top three teams in the country?
0: You can send that c- complaint to Craig Haley at, at FCS Stats. Let's talk about... It, it, now that we're into, we're into double digits in weeks We're in week 10, Emory. It's time for some reflection right. It's time to look back at our, our Hot takes, our judgments, our mistakes And, and really self-reflect here on the, In the zen garden of college football And what the hell happened <laughs> This season Because it's, no, it's still too close to call What are some things that we thought Were true and what is happening now And I'm going to start with one And that's the University of Montana Four weeks into this season, this team was unbeatable. This team was outstanding from top to bottom. They were dominating everybody they've played. Right now, Montana, for me, is not even on the bubble. They're out in the big sky. What has happened in the University of Montana? They forgot how to play
1: offense, man. They're on a three-game losing streak. So, earlier in the season, like you said, we was like, okay, this team looks like a serious contender in the big sky. I can see yeah. why people were talking about them highly in... Um, The preseason, but now, like you said, they just they can't. It just doesn't look the same when you watch them play. No, there's something missing about this team. But prior to that, we thought they were great. Now we we think okay, they're not in it. I'll give you another one. Um, Before the season, right? When we looked at uh, a team in the Miac, A and T. Yeah. Now, you know, it's they, they may be. The fourth best team in the conference, and preseason we were like, okay, this team is the clear cut. Who's going to be AT. They got a ton of guys returning defensively. Lamar Raynard, Black College National Player of the Year, offensively. Uh, they got Markel Cartwright coming back. This is Elijah Bell at receiver. They just beat Jacksonville State. Even though in that game we was like, you know what, it was a little sloppy, but first game you but first game you expect that. Then they beat East Carolina. You know, like, okay, this team this team got some some juice with them. And then they, they take the loss to Morgan State. They were in a lot of tight ball games, and now you look at A and T. You don't look at A and T now as a team that that scares no. you. No, not at all. So, but before this was a dangerous team. But now, I don't know, man. I'm,
0: I I will. I'll go. I'll stay in that same conference. Florida A and M. Who would have thought? I mean, we again. This is a team we ended last year, and we said Florida A and M, given two or three seasons, is going to be up at the top of the MEAC. I don't think anybody saw us saw them being this good this soon. Ryan Stanley's had an incredible season. He's, again, he's not going to blow you away on the stat sheet, but he wins games. And that's what you need to have as a quarterback. You don't need to put up 400 yards a game. You can put up 200 yards a game, and if those passes are accurate and they keep the ball moving, that's going to win you ball games. And Florida A&M now, their path to the celebration is almost sealed at this point. It with goes how through Tallahassee. It goes through Bragg Stadium. So... It, it, it looks like we're going to have the Rattlers in the Celebration Bowl, and I don't think any of us saw that coming out of the MEAC.
1: That's going to be a great get. For, I, I say it every episode.
0: <laughs> but if they can
1: get FAMU and Southern in that ball game, 80,000 fans easily. Be yeah. the highest attendance. That The attendance record there in that ball game, if that's the potential matchup, yeah. would be up there with Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, those bigger bowl games. It's going to smash all of the mid-major the, the bowls. Is going to smash attendance clearly of the playoffs, but yeah, Austin P. preseason. Ugh. Austin, they're P. angry. They missed the playoffs. A ton of people returning. They go into the season and they're four and four. They're playing average now. Credit where Austin P. has been being average is not a bad thing. Right, they were dirt terrible last year. They were phenomenal this year. They're playing. It's funny because last year they were phenomenal, but this year they're not playing up to expectations. How quickly does that change in college just, football? Right, you go oh. from being the laughing stock to a great team to man, you're underachieving. Right, but before the season, we thought Austin P was was dope. This is going to be an easy playoff participant. You're going to get two teams out the OVC. You still may get two teams out the OVC. It's just not going to involve Austin P. No, now they're, they're a bit of, of an average team, but they did get back on the winning track last
0: week. I mean, you talk about, uh, let's talk about the CAA, though. We thought coming into this year, JMU is going to be a little bit down from where they were last year in terms of what you see on the field. I don't think any of us saw them being in the middle of a dogfight for the CAA, where you still have four to five teams now that can win this conference. We expected that maybe for a battle for second and third, not for first. And it's wide open now that Towson's lost to Delaware. The CAA is might be the craziest conference in all of college football right now. It has to be. It's uh, nuts. They, they have, You could legitimately make a
1: case for seven playoff teams oh. out the CAA, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> you it's could just... legitimately make a case for those teams. I would go to the SOCON. Preseason, I was all in on Furman. Right. I was like, you know what? The way they run, the way they play defense, especially up front, um, they're going to be good. Yeah. Now Furman is questionable. They're playing mediocre football as evident by their three and four record. So before the season you couldn't I thought Furman was gonna win the conference. Yeah. Now they may not get to five hundred or over five hundred this season. That's that's
0: crazy to think about as well. It just again, we could go through so many of these. Well, one more. Preseason. Pioneer league. Stetson? Stetson.
1: <laughs> I struggled to find the the victory on this schedule.
0: Stet- Stetson was Stetson was the joke. They were Austin P from a couple of years ago. Exactly. Going into this season, what your lo- your name is a hat. We're, we're, <laughs> like, we were t- we were talking about Valpo probably turning the corner. Right. We were talking about Valparaiso having a good season. We and then we saw you know Butler was going to have a good year. Right. They faded away. Drake was going to have a great year. They're still having a pretty good year. They're hanging on. They're hanging on. Maris, Maris has
1: played some. Really good football. Justin Christian has performed well over these last three weeks. Subsequently, three victories. So, but Stetson, legitimately, they they're going to need San Diego to lose twice. Dare,
0: but dare I say it? Dare I say it? With how crazy this season has been, can we have two teams from the Pioneer? We will absolutely not have two teams from the Pioneer. Are you are are you looking at the same standings I am? I'm seeing six and one. Yeah, but I mean, when you look at Stetson six and one. I'm seeing six and one. They have like Connecticut School
1: of Broadcasting. I'm seeing six and one. Shout out to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I get it, but (laughs) you can't have Connecticut School of Broadcasting on your schedule and then expect to sit there with, you know, Western Illinois and say, "Hey, man, we got six wins. You guys got four. Like it is not the same. They have to win the Pioneer. They have to get
0: two losses from San Diego because San Diego owns the tiebreaker. Well, let's before we get to the break, let's go through one, this segment here. And we're talking about playoff spots. Okay. We know the CAA right this year is the dominant force in terms of win loss. They're going to probably get at least four, if not five, teams in to the postseason. You could, as you said, you could argue for seven from the CAA, but behind them. Big Sky has two or three good teams. You're probably going to see two or three from there. You're going to see maybe two again from the Big South, possibly. But it's the other two, the two big conferences that kind of sit behind the CIA. Missouri Valley, who's the traditional powerhouse, and the Southland. But if you look at the win-loss records on the schedule, and you, look, you look at the standings, the Missouri Valley teams, as you said, a lot of them are on the bubble right now. So the question is... Who will get more teams in the Southland or the Missouri Valley when all is said and done? Let's outline it this way, right? Let's start
1: with the Missouri Valley first. North Dakota State, they're eight zero. That's the unquestioned. They're, get, they're yeah, getting. They're in. They're in. Western Illinois is four and four. Northern Iowa is four and four. South Dakota State is five and two. And Missouri State is four and four, along with Indiana State. There are only four teams that are above five hundred in conference play. Illinois State's 5-3, and three. so let's rank them by who has the most wins. Dakota State, uh, Illinois State, and South Dakota State. Now, with 5-2, and two, you put South Dakota State ahead of Illinois State. So you have three teams with five wins. Right. But when you look in conference and look at how they're playing, Illinois State is on a two-game losing streak. Northern Iowa just lost a game you were at. Yeah. I
0: mean, Western Illinois is winning – has won two straight Missouri State makes no sense because when the quarterback has a good day they lose and when he has a bad day they win they win <laughs> it absolutely makes no sense no sense and
1: you still have two fly in the ointment teams in Indiana State and South Dakota yeah so I think you could make a, a strength of schedule argument for the Missouri Valley but let's look at the Southland now yeah McNeese Nichols Sam Houston and Central Arkansas are all five wins and above what McNeese having the sixth win, right? right. You have teams like Incarnate Word, who is playing solid football 4-2 in conference. Right. And they have a win over McNeese. You also have a team in uh, Abilene Christian, who I was high on coming into the season, winning, yep. winning two straight games, along with Lamar. Both of those teams are 4-4. Four and four. But when you look at the top, McNeese State is a good football team. Let's yeah. say they win the conference they're in. But you still have strong teams with impressive resumes. Nichols has beaten Kansas. Yeah. FBS win. Yeah. They're 5-3. and three. They also knocked off Sam Houston State. So, <sighs> they got... And they don't play yeah. Central Arkansas.
0: But you have Sam Houston State losing team to a team in North Dakota. Now, again, they're a good football team. They're a good football team. But they're independent. And they also lost to McNeese. Yeah. But they beat Central Arkansas.
1: <sighs> so... Pound for pound, McNeese and North Dakota State out of the conversation. Who's better, in your opinion, Nichols or
0: South Dakota State? Nichols, South Dakota State, I would say South Dakota State. Okay. For me. And it's not by much. Like like, but I think what you will see here is the committee, again, looking at the strength of the conference. Which, again, we don't think – like. You have to look at it as an individual based and not the conference. Right. But I think that's why, for me, the Missouri Valley is still going to get more spots. Because of, if you look at the depth of this conference, even, you, know, you look at the Southland, obviously this year, there have been upsets plenty. Abilene Christian's been good. Incarnate Word has gotten much better, much faster than anybody thought they would. Uh, Lamar's had a good year. But you still have like a Houston Baptist at the bottom. You still have you know, teams like that. Whereas in the Missouri Valley, look at Indiana State, who, as you said, winless last year crushed Youngstown who last two years ago was in the national title game a couple but years you ago. can't
1: you can't have
0: two years ago I'm uh, I'm just you I can't. am I am so, I am in the depths of the committee's minds right now and it's a very dark and strange place so, I will tell you that <laughs> so you so you
1: would take South Dakota State over Nichols right yes but I think both of them get in all right so that's two from each conference two from each conference yes Western Illinois or Sam Houston State who who is the better team
0: in term, if you're going to match them up Who with... Who is the better team? If you're matching them up with Sam Houston State, the way that Sam Houston State has played the last few weeks, I would say Sam Houston State. I think if Western Illinois was as consistent as I saw this past week, I think they are a better team. But if you're saying right now, Western Illinois still has a young offensive line. They've been inconsistent. That's why they're in the position they are in now. They could, I think they still have a shot to make the postseason. If they win out their last three games, that puts them at seven and four, five and two in the Valley. But at this point, Sam Houston State would get the nod over them slightly, slightly. For me, see, I'm putting Western in. I think Western is better than Sam Houston. You think so? Cause I think so. With, with the inconsistency for Sam Houston as well. right, it, right on both sides. Like it's very close. Like these two conferences are very, very They're close very in close. terms of in so.
1: The I'm having Sam Houston out, giving another, given a third team to the Missouri Valley. Okay. Central Arkansas versus, uh, you know, as far as, like, resume. Central Arkansas or Illinois State if they find a way to get back on a
0: winning track. Illinois State has lost two games. There's and no, they're 2-3 and three in conference. You know what the crazy thing about Illinois State? In conference play, they have outscored their opponents in their 2-3. and three. Explain that one to me. And so so I think the debate will
1: end up being not between Central Arkansas and Illinois State, but Illinois State
0: versus Northern Iowa, or Illinois State against Western Illinois, right? To be honest with so you, so who
1: would you keep out out of those three? Western Illinois, uh, Indiana, uh, Western Illinois, Illinois State, and Northern Iowa. Who who is not making it from? For
0: me, Northern Iowa. For me, I mean, again, they were just very inconsistent. From what I saw last week, we've kind of seen that all year. But right. again, everybody's been inconsistent all year except for the Bison. I, you know, here's why. Here's <laughs> so
1: here's like- my final take on on this particular thing. I think. You, you know, you get three teams in from Missouri Valley, yeah. Two teams in from the Southland, and a lot of the other at-large bids go into the
0: CAA. Yeah, man, and and I'll tell you what we were saying this beforehand as well. If there was ever a year for a thirty-six team playoff, oh man, this is it. Or if there was a
1: year for the bowl football games? game plan bowl
0: games, we got to do that again this year. That we? was dope, right? We yeah, got to do that again this year, and we could easily come up with like. Twenty-five different bowls for the FCS.
1: Because who's beaten Princeton and Dartmouth? Nobody. Ooh, who's
0: who's beaten Howard? <laughs> Most people. Most. See, here's the thing, too. What I don't get: how in the I, I I'm hoping this changes when the poll comes out. How in the world is Dartmouth not ranked? Wow. How are they not ranked going into last week at an undefeated record? Well, the biggest crime is Colgate not being ranked in the top. If three. Colgate's not number ten, if at Colgate minimum, is not number three, if they're not tied for second. Like who do they have to play? Do they have to like do they have to beat Rutgers, which they could easily they do could, and probably they shut them beat, out? They could beat Rutgers. They, <laughs> like, do they have to play Boston College? Do they have to play Syracuse? Like who do they have they to beat They could probably beat Syracuse. Like who do they have to beat in order to get a rank, like a top ten ranking? Or if you, top five ranking. If we're looking at this pound for pound, the Buffalo Bills, they could probably you know what I'm saying? Like if they maybe they can give I was just joking. No, but. no one has heard, no one has heard about like anybody outside the Northeast though has no idea what's going on at Colgate Bruh, because gave there's no coverage.
1: Twenty three points on the season total. Total. They've got four shutouts in the last five games. If you're firming, you're lucky you didn't play this game. <laughs> Otherwise, they're out of the playoff picture already. Already. And that may have be this. That may have been a sixth shutout. Now, the only other teams that are playing defense like them: James Madison, Kennesaw State, and North Dakota State. they're still not playing it like Colgate. Yeah. And Princeton and Dartmouth are doing a great job as well. Princeton has only given up 64 points on the season. Dartmouth 75. But Colgate
0: 20, that's three points a game. Insanity, folks. Clear and total insanity. And Craig Haley if you don't uh, believe. If those rankings come out, Craig, your mentions are going to be filled up by me and Emory. Don't forget about everybody else. (laughs) If (laughs) Colgate isn't top three, it's a Crying. Against humanity in all forms. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some teams that are on the bubble. And you think there might be a few of those? Oh, there's a there's at least 16 teams right off the top of my head that are on the playoff bubble. Minimum. Minimum. They're in playoff. must-week games here in Week 10. And then we'll get into our telling trap, unsung and best games of the week. We've got our previews. that of course, Emery will go into mo- many more games on the video, which you can find on Football Game Plan and YouTube.com slash Football Game Plan. But for now... I need to take a a one-minute break because I am losing my mind because of all the craziness. Folks, this is again the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We'll be back after this break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbro Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the Internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since nineteen. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. Again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of our podcasts to try to make sense of all the craziness that has been the 2018 FCS season, like we are even right now, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes. You can listen there on demand while you're there. Subscribe so you don't miss any content from Emory regarding FCS fbs the nfl anything football he's got it going on on silent on uh, soundcloud and itunes and again don't forget you can go to footballgameplan.com for all your football knowledge and go to youtube.com slash footballgameplan where we have the full video preview as well we cover some things on there that we don't cover on the podcast so if you want your full fcs knowledge for the week make sure to check out both the podcast and the videos Emery, let's get into the second half of the show here, and let's talk about teams that are on the bubble. And we said it before the break, that you could come up with about 20 to 30 that could possibly be on that bubble. For you, which teams are on the bubble either on in the negative way of their bubble being burst, or they are getting back into the playoff co- picture? First of all, I'll start with the negative. The one
1: team that's on the bubble right off the bat to me is Illinois State. Oh, boy. Here go the mentions. Even though (laughs) Illinois State has an impressive FBS win against Colorado State, in which they dominated that ball game, losers of two straight games, five and three, they are on the playoff bubble. That's one of the teams right off the bat that you would think is on the bubble. And I think, in a way, Southeast Missouri State is on the bubble as well. Yeah. I think because of how – and even though I don't agree, how – they will view the Ohio Valley Conference. Yeah, People will look at them and say, okay, they're, they didn't really play anybody. And they have a tough game this week. They're going to be on upset alert against Tennessee State. So I think those two teams, just right off the top of my head, are on the bubble. But one negatively in Illinois State and one that it's a shame because they're playing some great football. And that's a team that you probably don't want to see in the playoffs in
0: Southeast Missouri State. But remember, Southeast Missouri State defeated Jacksonville State. The only reason they're behind them right now is because they played one less game. So if Southeast True. Missouri State wins out, but they also have a they conference win the, loss. But they right, but they have the tiebreaker over Jacksonville State. So if True. they win out, they win the conference. So don't forget about that either. Again, you know Murray State they, they got the loss to Jacksonville State this week, so they're pretty much done. They're done. They don't have the even the though even though they're having a great year in the OVC. Right. Jacksonville State though they have that hiccup against Semo, that might be it. I'm going to throw another team out at you, and that's Monmouth, because again, the Big Big South. Small conference, only six teams. Monmouth got the big win against Campbell. That's they what they needed. needed. That that they needed that. Yeah. But with the craziness that is going on, this might they might get themselves knocked out without you know the game against Kennesaw anyway. With just how many spots are going to go to these teams in the other big conferences? Monmouth right now has been put on the, shall we say, the college football societal bubble. That's <laughs> right. No, it, it's it's been completely stacked against them from day one, and now. I mean, it's going to be very tough for the Monmouth Hawks. And they got in the playoffs
1: last year. This was a two-bid league last year. Yeah. Both Kennesaw and Monmouth got in. I think because of what you're seeing in the CAA, puts this in perspective. Like you said, it lays it out perfectly because they may not get in because of how many other good teams with quality wins that they have. I also believe Elon is on the bubble. I think Elon is more on the bubble than Maine. Maine has some good (sighs) wins. Yeah. Yeah. Elon, I think, can't afford another loss.
0: Wow. See, because I have Maine on my bubble right now. Because of that, you know, the way they've had the last couple of weeks, they've got some massive games coming up too. So Maine will have to pretty much play perfect ball to make the playoffs for me. And again, they've played fantastically well. But the way that the CAA is so deep, it's going to be a very hard run. I'm not saying they can't do it, but Maine's very much on the bubble. My top four teams in the CAA would be
1: James Madison, Towson, Stony Brook, and Delaware. So that puts Maine,
0: Elon, and Rhode Island for me on the bubble. Absolutely. I'm going to throw another team out there. What about Idaho State Mm. in the big sky? Again, everybody was talking about how good Idaho is going to be coming down from the FBS. They really have struggled, but Idaho State, the Bengals, have had a quietly excellent season in the big sky. Now, do you put Idaho
1: State over... Western put- or you and I or Illinois State. Oh, you're going to. They're not going to invite me back. If you <laughs> well, the think about it. Idaho State, quietly, like you said, they're playing in what could be a comparable conference this year, strength, yeah. strength of schedule wise. They only have one conference loss, they have two out of conference losses. Their resume looks a lot better. They lost to Weaver State. So
0: – Oh, man.
1: <laughs> Which team out of the Missouri Valley are you taking out in
0: favor of Idaho State? So yes, I agree with you. They are on the bubble. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to say one more team. You know where I'm going? Stetson. Ah, oh, shut up, man! Like <laughs> six and one. If they go undefeated the rest of the year, they finish ten and one. On their only losses to the conference champion, bro, who is going into the postseason. Just, to, just for the sake of the fans,
1: right here. <laughs> Let me pull up <laughs> Stetson's schedule. And
0: I like an underdog. Okay, that's all. That's I, what we all love an underdog. Point University, Waldorf. Okay, have you that's seen two you, That's have you seen some of the team? Some of the other teams that are going to get into the playoffs from other conferences? Have you the, seen what they're playing? If the Presbyterian
1: game wasn't canceled, maybe you have a point. They could be seven and one right now. They would beat that Presbyterian, and team. they got dominated by South uh, uh, San Diego. Okay, who's going to win the conference if that's their only loss? Bro, they played Waldorf and Point University. (laughs) That just might as well be (laughs) Connecticut School of Broadcasting twice. Uh, But I I will give you (laughs) one more bubble Uh, uh, team. East Tennessee State. I love the SoCon. I love Mm. East Tennessee State's turnaround this year. But they are quietly on the bubble. Uh, They are... 7-2 7-2 overall. They got a great overall record. 5-1 and one in conference. They lost the game to Wofford. Yep. And again, because of how these other teams stack up in the CAA and in the Missouri Valley, who may get one more team than, this de- than it is deserved, Chattanooga, East Tennessee State, both have convincing arguments to be ahead of maybe a four-team Missouri Valley or a four-team or 3 teams, Southland Conference, but I think East Tennessee State, they're on the bubble. They have to win out. All
0: right, let's get into the Week 10 schedule here, and let's talk about some of the telling games that I'm going to keep an eye on this week. URI at Elon this week. That is a critical game. Must win. That is a mu- that is a th- Is that an elimina- elimination game for you? Because it is for me.
1: Yeah, it is. Because, again, I just said Elon was on the bubble and Rhode Island was on the bubble.
0: So it, that's a do or die there. Yes. Illinois State at UNI. We talked about both of these teams. It's, these games are huge. The, the, right. That's win and you can continue to be in the conversation, lose, and you out. And then another one that's not going to be in the playoff conversation, Norfolk State at a- A&T this week. I was highly disappointed in Norfolk State this past weekend. But, you want again, this is talking about a telling game, where these programs are headed.
1: I know Does where it? they're headed, and I know how good uh, of a coach Latrell Scott is I say that I think damn near every podcast, right? Right. So This is a big game. It's bit.
0: it's a massive, for massive A&T. game. For A and T. Yeah.
1: Cause here's the thing.
0: A and T is on the bubble. They yeah. have a
1: the quietly they have a strong enough resume and they are ranked to where they could take one of these at large bids. So they are on the bubble. They are on must win watch for the rest of the season. Let's if go. they win out. You think they do you think they get in? They get into the playoffs. They don't get – and they get the – it's the Miacs ideal situation. Yeah. Best team goes to the Celebration Bowl. Second best team goes to the playoffs. All the Miac coverage. A&T needs to win out and win convincingly to keep
0: their – to stay within the top 15 to 18 in the top 25. Let's talk about some trap games, and there are plenty of trap games this week. Two in the Southland. Sam Houston State at Incarnate Word. Lamar at Central Arkansas. Those are huge trap games that could decide. Again, you want to talk about the at-large bids and where they could go? If those two upsets happen, Missouri Valley is very, very happy as a conference. But that also opens the door for Nichols and... Um, the M- Nichols and
1: McNeese then get in. Right, and also for Idaho State, North
0: Dakota. Western Illinois. Western Illinois, so... You're right. These are two huge games. Other trap games, Missouri State at South Dakota State. Again, Missouri State has been, the, you know, those like those puzzle boxes, the Chinese puzzle boxes, yeah. where you can't figure out how they get, think they open, and then once it does, you're like, how do I put it back together again? Right. That's Missouri State. You have no idea what's going to happen. They could have a great game and lose. They could have a terrible game and win. It's just what they do this season. It's I do crazy. not
1: know what to expect in this game. That's how much of a wild card Missouri State has been. And
0: then the other one, Weber hosting Sac State. Sacramento State. That, I think, could be a trip-up game for Weber after a big win over North Dakota. Keep an eye on that one. That's all I'm saying. It all
1: depends on who Weber has next week.
0: That is very, very true. But let's talk about the unsung games here. Campbell at Kennesaw. Huge game in the Big South. And again, if there's a spot where Kennesaw will slip up before Monmouth, this would be it. So... Unsung game, but Kennesaw, I expect them to take care of business, but it's also going to be a very competitive game. San Diego at Drake. That's a big one. That's a
1: huge game. For Two outstanding quarterbacks in Anthony Lawrence of San Diego and Grant Kramer of
0: Drake. That's a great matchup. Wofford at Samford. You could easily put this as a trap game, too, because of what Samford can do. On Samford the of the ball. is the Missouri State of the SoCon this year. It's ridiculous. And I'm going to go one other unsung game. You're going to like this. Hampton at SUNY Maritime. That game is this week up here in New York. Oh, that's this week? That is this week, I believe. <laughs> Hampton. Come on, please. The pirates are now already taking the
1: Chesapeake Bay up or are they <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're sailing
1: up? They're the sailing hun- up to take on
0: the Maritime. <laughs> It's gonna be just. It's gonna be. This is great. It's the Navy versus the Pirates. You can't right. write. Why is this game this. not
1: being played on the battleship? You know how they do the basketball game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why is this <laughs> not it not being on being an aircraft battleship? carrier? Exactly.
0: Yeah. And then the best games of this week. We talked about the FCS stats game of the week, and that is Dartmouth Princeton. That is by far the best game, but one of the game that's just behind it, Maine at Towson. And again, you want to talk about a game that could fit any one of these categories. Right. It's a telling game. It's an unsung game. It's a trap game for somebody. I don't know which one anymore. Probably Towson, I guess. But it's wide open. This is going to be a great contest. Over, under the amount of trick plays we're going to see in this game. (laughs) Over, under. From uh, Maine. From Maine,
1: because Maine, this is a must-win for Maine.
0: Their, their playbook must have a whole section. You know, you know, instead of like, oh, let's go to the last page. Their last page is a section about four or five inches thick with trick plays. They, they, they are they just have, crazy.
1: This is a must-win
0: game. Absolutely crazy, and also a game I'm going to watch too. We didn't mention this before, but Prairie View A and M they lost again this week to Alcorn, but they're at Jackson State. Jackson State's made a coaching change. Yeah, first coach fired this season, which nobody saw coming because Jackson State's had a good year. Compared to the last couple seasons,
1: right, and, and we saw this kind of lead into that with the resigning of Hal Mummy a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Tony Hughes is a very good coach, great defensive coach, and they are saying they're not renewing his contract after the season. They let him go. There's an interim coach in there now. I don't know, man. I think it's it's that's an interesting move because Southern right now is playing on fire. It looks like it's going to be Southern and Alcorn, possibly in the SWAC title game. Alabama AM still has an outside shot. Shout out to the Bulldogs getting the win in the Magic City Classic. Yep. Akil Glass is the name to keep an eye on for down the line. Sophomore quarterback, 6'5", 215, tremendous passer. They have offense. They're going to be good next year. They're second in the conference now. But Jackson State's uh, dismissal of Tony Hughes is a head-scratcher to me. You got to give guys time to build a program. I know the record overall isn't there. But this year, you saw progress. He's building in the right direction, and you fire him. And you fire him. And you better have a a strong candidate Mm. already in place. Because this is
0: a very questionable move, in my opinion. It's a very questionable move. Let's get into some of the other games that you're keeping an eye on for Week 10. An interesting one here. Another team that's quietly on the bubble is Chattanooga. Had a very good season. They're at Furman. Which Furman team shows up in this ball game will decide whether or not Chattanooga is in the in a playoff spot next week.
1: This week is must-win weekend everywhere. Everywhere, Chattanooga has to win this game, and this is not an easy game. This is not Presbyterian, even though you would never blow out the Blue Holes
0: ever, ever. Now, do you put Chattanooga by the way ahead of East Tennessee at this point? No, like, East you, Tennessee beat them. But do you? But do, overall, do you think they're a better team? No You still think "Mm," Because I like Chattanooga
1: But I like East Tennessee State And they beat Chattanooga
0: And East Tennessee by the way At Mercer this week That's a a trap game Oh not a trap game But an intriguing one That's Uh, a very intriguing game there So so
1: I You know This is a must win game For Chattanooga They gotta win this game
0: We talked about a little bit In my telling games Norfolk State at A&T Do or die Time for A&T really
1: They have the playoffs In their sights they could turn it on and still stay within that fifteen to eighteen range. They got a chance to get in that large bid. They can't have a slip up. They got to win impressively. Yeah. Um. Against Norfolk State,
0: I will. I will say this too, and I'm not saying that the committee plays favorites. I I don't want to accuse them of that. If they can keep a MEAC team out, they will. They are they are quietly hoping that A loses this ball game because that means they can give another at large spot to some other team that we've talked about with the The CAA Valley with or Southland depending on what happens in the Valley this week because the Valley right now is just on fire (laughs) it's just absolutely crazy so again the committee does not practice favoritism I don't want to accuse them of that but I think quietly they're in the back of their mind they're thinking if Norfolk State can win this game that would be okay by us right Illinois State you and I must win do or die game for two teams that are act that were ranked last week we're, it's amazing that we're talking about teams that are ranked missing the postseason this late in the year, but that's what we have in this ball game. If the when the polls come out and if
1: those guys are ranked above Colgate, <laughs> you're you're, you're gonna call going to call Craig to call Gregory Haley and, <laughs> and, and, and 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 discuss. I may even physically discuss this. With I was going
0: to like, like, discuss in quotation marks I on may that.
1: Physical discuss this with, with Craig, but. Yes, you're right. This
0: is a must-win game. This is this is what we call an elimination game. It, it absolutely critical. And again, the spots in the Missouri Valley will be decided on how these teams finish, not just this week but the last three. So, if any teams run the table, the last three, that's in that second, that third through in. sixth position in the Valley, they're in the postseason. Savannah State at Delaware State now. This wasn't on our radar before, but now it is. Why is that, Emory? Because it's Savannah State's Swan song, number
1: one. True. Delaware State's a young team that's playing a lot better than what their record indicates. So you have a team in Savannah State that's playing really well, yep. despite their record, but they're playing good football. They pulled off a couple of upsets um, in conference. Coach Rayburn, Eric Rayburn has done a great job with this program, even though they're leaving. They're going to dominate, I believe, uh, the CA, the CIAA next next year in Division Two, Okay. They got a really good team. And this is a game where you want to see where you are as a program if you're Delaware State. Yeah. And I will be watching whether or not Michael Chris Ike plays in this game. I doubt he's going to play. They want to save the redshirt. I want to say he's at th- three games now, two it, games. This now will be his he, third game.
0: Can he play four games and then at the fifth game the redshirt is I think is so. Or is it because if, if it's if it's that, I think he plays. You could play four games and then – I think that's how it is. Okay, and then the fifth one, then the red shirts off. Okay, right. we'll see what happens there. It, uh, you want to talk about how crazy the next the, the CAA has been this year? This next game should be talking about whether or not these teams are making the postseason or how high they are in the CAA, whether it's finishing second or third. It's a footnote with how the CAA has been, and that's Villanova at Richmond. Wow! Like both of these teams, like they're not even they're they're not in the discussion. They're three and five each. Talk about then and now. Remember, oh my preseason. Goodness. Villanova, week one after they beat Temple,
1: I was ready to, to, to don the a, Villanova sweatshirt. A flag, good everything. Temple team.
0: A good Temple Very team. Very good Temple
1: team. They dominated that game. And then? Richmond, you know, same. <laughs> Richmond then, receivers, secondary, veteran quarterback coming back. Now? Man, like you said, this is a footnote. So is this, this is no different than South Dakota-Indiana State game.
0: Is this the freshman ball between these two teams? Are we going to see some guys, now that we only have three or four weeks left, we see some of the red shirt? freshmen come in and get some game time?
1: I like to call these the uh, depth chart game for the yeah. spring. Yeah. Uh, because what's going to happen is guys that, you know, this, the season's pretty much done, and guys that are probably starters are not going to be starters next year. And if you're a reserve, these are the games where you want to shine. Because when spring comes, and now when they put that or by the guy who is starting, like starting mm-hmm. quarterback player A or player B, there's the battle. You're going to see a lot of oars on that depth
0: chart mm-hmm. come springtime because of games like this. Another game in the CAA here. I didn't include this one because you had it on the list. This is a trap game. Delaware at Albany. Now, if you look at the, at the records, right. you look on paper, this game's over at halftime. But the Albany Great Danes have a reputation of pulling off an upset. It may or may not matter in the final committee's deciding, UNH last season, but... Albany's got that reputation of being a fly in the ointment no matter who they're playing. Delaware cannot be celebrating too hard after beating Towson last week. Albany is 0-5 in conference, along
1: with Villanova. And yet, and yet. But you're right, this is a trap game. They
0: got a shot in this game because of their defense.
1: They can't can't sleepwalk in this one, Delaware. They have to come out guns
0: a-blazing. So, and again, the Albany defense, they've been, again, quiet disappointment this year. Like, yeah. that, this is not the normal... You think Q CAA, Albany.
1: Albany, you think defense run a game. It's not
0: been the case for the Great Danes, the Fighting Scoobies. Not this year. Uh, let's. <laughs> did you say just say the Fighting Scoobies? Scooby was a Great Dane. I, I know. Okay, I just wanted, I wanted to clarify. That's what you actually <laughs> said. One last game here to talk about. In the Pioneer, big game for Marist. If they want to get... Again, they need a lot of help. They need a lot more help than a team like... A, uh, Stetson does to win the title they have to get past Valpo again they've been disappointing for what we thought Valparaiso was going to be this year but Maris has had a very good season they've won three straight
1: they are on the precipice of winning four straight yep very good turnaround for Maris, who lost a lot of seniors last year so this was a team that was supposed to be rebuilding they're four and four on the year four and one in conference and like you said they need help they need Stetson to lose. They also need San Diego to lose probably twice. But yeah. if they continue to take care of business, it just, again, just makes this conference even stronger for 2019 because you're going to talk about San Diego, Stetson, Maris, Drake, Dayton, uh, Davidson, Butler, Valpo
0: should be improved.
1: Moorhead State has quietly played some good football this year.
0: Yeah, Very competitive league this season. I will, I will say this about the Pioneer. I think they get a worse treatment from the committee than the MIAC and the SWAC do. Oh yeah, because me the me and me the swag—they've put themselves behind the eight ball by having the celebration ball, which is a great event, and having the championship games. The pioneer—they're just completely overlooked. And again, I again I, I get it. Stetson's had a weak schedule, I get it. But right.
1: point and Waldorf. I
0: I know that already. I know that they're still six and one. What what do you what do you always say? You have to be it on your schedule. That's true. They could have lose. They could have lost those games. If they lost those games, they would not be in this conversation. True. At all because they lost to Waldorf. They lost to. Point University they, they, lost it. they lost to a member from the Muppets They lost to <laughs> Waldorf <laughs> Folks that'll do it for this week 10 Preview show here on the FCS Opening Drive Podcast I am actually going to be able to Sleep in this week which was I mean Again I had a blast this past week but it'll be good To be sleeping in my own bed Emery where are you going to be this weekend? Well
1: Friday night I will be at an FBS game uh, You traitor <laughs> Pit at Virginia
0: Okay, that could be intriguing.
1: And Virginia's been good this year, quietly. They found a quarterback in Bryce Perkins, so I'm excited to see him play. Okay. Um, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to make my first trip to um, that that campus. You know, the stadium is, is, is gorgeous. It's an open-air press box, so hopefully the weather cooperates. Right. Uh, and you're not freezing there in the press. I've been to stadiums that have that set up, mm-hmm. like Yale and also uh, – Old RFK Stadium. I did the bowl oh, game. That, that it was nice. 30 degrees. And I, I watched maybe the first oh. three quarters. And I was like, you know what? The fourth quarter, I'll spend in the media lobby because <laughs> it was too cold out there. So I'll be there Friday night. But Saturday, I'll be on the broadcast for FAMU and Howard. Which is a critical.
0: That, that's really the last
1: test for That's the FAMU. last test for FAMU. And it's going to be on ESPN 3 and replayed on ESPN U. So I'm excited. I get to be on national television. Uh, Hey. The ball game. Yeah, check me out. Nationally televised covering this ballgame. I'm excited to see Ryan Stanley, our favorite quarterback. <laughs> I'm also excited to see how Howard responds. The go uh-huh. offense was the stop-stop offense last week against South Carolina State. They could not get anything going. And FAMU's quietly got a very good defense. And they cannot lose this game because there's there's no – there's it's either or. Celebration Bowl or home.
0: Yeah, there's, there, there, uh, MEAC right now is sweating that game.
1: They need FAMU to win, the and the HBCU fans need FAMU to win, and they need Southern to win. They want this game badly. No offense, Alcorn, but no offense. I love the Braves. They're they're one of the better teams in the, uh, in HBCU football, but the fans want to see Southern and FAMU. <laughs> They want the old Atlanta Classic back. They want to see this ball game. And these two teams are scheduled to play next year in the regular season. So that game is going to be must-see TV. But they want this for all of the jambalaya, all of the Gator Bites. They want it for it all. Gator Bites. You got to travel, man. You got to get out there and travel.
0: I did travel this past week, and I had some delicious food. I'm glad you brought that up. What did you have? They had oh it started as a breakfast tailgate so they had business and gravy homemade hash browns um, they had tell the folks what your Twitter cinnamon handle rolls made. tell the folks which at hash browns you were you were yeah, 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 in heaven I, it's I, it's not because it's my favorite food it is delicious okay but that was my nickname and I so haven't you had a gotten away with breakfast it. tailgate breakfast tailgate is cinnamon rolls which were fantastic now homemade cinnamon rolls I think so. store bought I th- I they tasted homemade to me.
1: How does homemade cinnamon rolls taste? No, like Oh, you're talking about like out of the uh, Pillsbury. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, I got you. you That's
0: yeah. Yeah, homemade. Okay, And then seven-layer dip. We had slow-roasted Italian beef that was cooked over the fire. And apparently, well, I learned Bob is actually from around Kansas City. Bob Williams, the guy who invited us out there. <laughs> the
1: barbecue.
0: Well, so he said, the next time you're out there, you're coming out to a game, let us know. We're going to bring some ribs and brisket. So if that doesn't get you down there, because you are a local celebrity down there, my friend, they're asking where is Emery? They want you there.
1: I don't get out of bed for nothing less than brisket and, and ribs. So Bob, there's your, there it is. You want Emery? Get the barbecue. I, now I'm sitting, I'm, sittin up, I'm <laughs> sitting up in my bed right now. Like okay, I'm at the table. Let's let's talk some more. What else do we have? What else <laughs> do they have on 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 the, on the menu? The, the the
0: negotiations will continue. They will continue. <laughs> I'm intrigued. So, I'm folks, leaning in. <laughs> folks, thanks again for listening to the Open Drive podcast. If you want to listen back to any of our podcasts this for this whole season, go to SoundCloud or iTunes. You can listen to them on demand there. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com or com slash footballgameplan where Emery will have his video up soon previewing all the other big games going on in the FCS this week, including that battle of the unbeatens between Dartmouth and Princeton, down in New Jersey it's going to be absolutely crazy down there thanks for listening in we'll hopefully have you back next week thanks for listening